Welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. This is a recording of our Wednesday morning Bible study held weekly at Chapel Hill and led by our Minister of Education, Casey Spiker. We walk each week verse by verse through the Scriptures, one book at a time. If you wish to join us in person, we meet each week at 10 a.m. in our sanctuary. We'd love for you to join us. Now let's open up God's Word together and see what God says to us today. So good morning. It is uh, this is lesson two in our study through the book of Ecclesiastes. We got kicked off last week uh, with an introduction, and we looked at some things. Uh, man, we we if we stop and think for just a minute, uh, remember we talked last week that this book can seem, from an earthly standpoint, from a non-believer standpoint, honestly, it can seem a little depressing. Um, Solomon's words to us, we talked last week, we used the word hevel, hevel of hevels, vanity of vanities, everything is is vanity, meaningless, futile, an enigma. Uh, Those are not super encouraging words to us. But now, I need you to understand and I need you to think through this as we we move through this. And I'll probably say this a lot, week to week. Um, All of this is being written by uh, a, a man who was aged, who is looking back on his life. He's regretting his choices. He's regretting the things that he tried to, to fill his life with. And his point of this whole book is not to depress you. It's not to make you feel bad about the life you're living. He's trying to point you to God. He's trying to point you to a relationship with Christ. Uh, because in his mind, that's the only way that your life is going to have any meaning. All right, so today we're going to jump into chapter one, and this this really begins Solomon's journey of telling us all the things that are wrong, all the things that are pointless. And uh, in our passage today, we're, we're going to be looking in chapter one, and we're going to be looking at verses three through 11. In chapter three, excuse me, in verse three, Solomon asked a question. He says, what advantage does man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? It's an important question. It's a it's a vital question to help us understand where Solomon is taking us uh, as we go on this journey through this book of Ecclesiastes. And he's basically asking this question. Here's the here's the you know the 21st century version. What did, what do we get for all of our hard work? What what does it benefit us? What what advantage is there to doing the things that we do on a daily basis? Now, if you stop and think about it for just a second, if you move forward into into the New Testament in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus asked a very similar question. It's kind of worded different, and it maybe has a, a little bit of a different meaning at the end, but he basically asked the same question. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? That writing, that that verse, Mark 8, 36, would fit very well in the book of Ecclesiastes because it's essentially what, what Solomon is trying to teach us. Now, uh, at the end of verse 3 there, there's a little phrase that we're going to see a lot. Solomon referred to uh, all of his work that he does under the sun. The phrase under the sun is super important as we read through the book of Ecclesiastes. You're going to hear that roughly 30 times in this book. And under the sun is a term that Solomon uses to describe his life on earth without God. He's pointing to life without heavenly guidance in our lives. He's pointing to life without any context of God in the decisions that we make on a daily basis. Um, as, as we, as we kind of delved into this a little bit last week, we understand that this kind of living where we live without God and only for ourselves is what he's talking about being meaningless. So 
today. We want to we want to look forward. We're going to look through these things in verses again, verses three through eleven. Solomon's going to give us a lot of stuff that he tells us is pointless, and I'm I'm always probably going to to finish up with helping you understand what's not pointless. And today he's going to point us out those things, but I want you to understand that life without God is never pointless. Following God's plan, following God's will for your life is never going to be pointless. It's never going to be meaningless. It always has meaning because God is the one that gives your life purpose. He's the one that gives your life meaning. And if you're living for him, those things are going to last. We're going to, we're going to get more into that as we get going this morning. So let's read through our passage real quick. Again, we're in chapter one and I'm going to start in verse three, already read verse three, but I'm going to read it again. And we're going to read all the way through verse 11. All right. So Solomon says this, what advantage does man have in all of his work, which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets and hastening to its place, it rises there again, blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north. The wind continues swirling along and on its circular courses, the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. There's that phrase again, right? Is there anything of which one might say, see this, it is new. Already it has existed for ages, which were before us. There's no remembrance of earlier things and also of the later things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. All right, so Solomon gives us some points. He gives us some things here to understand. So we want to start. Our, our first thought today is that nature shows us that life is pointless. And again, this is life without God. Let me say that. I'm going to say it a thousand times. Life without God is pointless. The first thing he talks about here in verse 4, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Uh, each of us, as we go through our life, we're part of a generation. They say, uh, they, experts, whoever they are, uh, say that expert, uh, that generations begin every 20 years or so. At this point in the world, it's possible that there are people from seven, seven different living generations in existence. Uh, the first one that, that we can talk about is that, uh, that pe those people born between 1901 and 1924, commonly referred to as the greatest generation. Uh, we, we think about those folks born in the, in the 20s. Uh, those are the people who fought in the World War II. They, they served our country. They, they went through a lot. They, they gave of themselves. Uh, there's, there's a reason they're the greatest generation. Uh, it, it's, been, it's been said that, that more advances took place from that group of people than, than any in history. And that's a pretty important group. The second group, people born between 1925 and 1945 are called the silent generation. I feel like we probably don't need to say very much about them, right? I don't, I, that's a joke. I don't know why they're called the silent generation, but that's, that's what that group is called. The next group, people born between 1946 and 1964, everybody knows the baby boomers. And this is a result of that greatest generation coming home and, and, and having a newfound freedom and, and the, the, the United States really beginning to take off in a lot of, a lot of uh, aspects. And so this group born the baby boomers 
All right, so next, uh, 1965 to 1980 is Gen X. I'm a little partial to that group myself. That's a pretty good, pretty good generation to be in, I think. Um, so that's that group. Uh, this next group gets a little bit of uh, a little bit of grief from time to time, but people born between 1981 and 1996, millennials. I uh, know we would just we just won't we won't delve too deep into that. Gen Z, born between 1997 and 2012, and then Gen Alpha uh, is the newest generation, 2013 to 2025. Now, listen, I give you all that information, not just so you can try to figure out where you land and that kind of thing, but to help us understand that Solomon's telling us that generations come and go. You know, at some point, there won't be anybody from the greatest generation left. 1901 to 1924 was a long time ago. And at some point, all of those wonderful people are going to be missing from us. And at some point, that next generation, and at some point, the baby boomers are going to be gone. And listen, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer all the way, but at some point, my generation is going to be gone from this earth if the Lord tarries long enough. What Solomon is saying is that as generations come and go, by and large, most things don't change. And he's going to continue giving us aspects of this. Uh, I read a quote in my, in my commentary as I was preparing to, to teach all of this. He said, uh, this poem, talking about verses 4 through 11, this poem paints the picture that we are trapped in a monotonous prison. So, you know, if nothing changes, we're just going through the motions, so to speak. That, that helps us understand that concept of mon monotonous prison. All right, so Solomon gets into, in verse 5, he, talk, he talks about a thing in nature that helps us understand this. He says, the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises there again. So, you know, some of you probably are early risers. Some of you would like to sleep in and, and stay up all night. But every morning at a certain time, the sun rises. And every afternoon or every evening at a certain time, the sun goes down. We go through our day when the sun is up. We rest when the sun is down. At the end of the day, Solomon would tell you that not much of significance has really changed during the course of your day. Now, I understand some of you have really important things that you do in your day. But at the end of the day, I want you to think about your, your day. Your Monday, you get up in the morning, you set you, your alarm goes off, you get up, you go take a shower, you get ready for your day, you fix your coffee, you go to work, you work all day, and you're not done, and I know this because you got to go back the next day and do more, right? And then you come home at night, you spend some time with your family, you may watch some TV, you eat some supper, you, you wind down, you probably play on your phone a little bit, and then you go to bed, and guess what? Tomorrow's going to come, and what's going to happen? virtually the same thing. I know there are some details that change from day to day, but Solomon equates all of this, our, our daily life, this, this following the path of the sun, like a person who runs on a track. I, I'm not a runner. I have tried to be a runner through the years at different times, and it just, it's not really my thing. Um, and so he benefit, he shows that, that sure, there may be some benefits to running, just like there are some benefits to going to work, you get paid, you, you have a sense of accomplishment, you can provide for your family. But at the end of a race on a track, do you know where you finish? You can run one lap, you can run four laps, which is a mile, you can run a thousand laps if you want to and feel really accomplished. Do you know where you finish the race? You finish the race virtually in the same place you started. And so his point with the sun is every single day the sun comes, the sun goes down, at the end of the day, not a lot changes through the course of our day. 
Verse 6, he talks about the wind. He says this in verse 6, blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses, the wind returns. The wind gusts and circles. It blows and blows and blows and blows, but, but nothing much changes. Now notice here, uh, between the wind and the sun, he's mentioned going from north to south, and he's mentioned going from east to west. We know that's what the sun does. It, it, it rises in the east and sets in the west. He's given us a complete picture of all the directions, and that gives us a full understanding of all the earth. In other words, all of this happens in all the earth. But now Solomon's essentially saying that the whole earth is just this pattern. It's a, it's a repeating pattern that never really changes anything. Nothing significant changes. And look, you understand uh, that, that tornadoes come, that, that hurricanes come. And look, we've seen, we've seen damage from hurricanes and from tornadoes. I, I have been into, into Tuscaloosa after, hur after a tornado. I've been to Panama City, Florida after hurricanes. And look, it's devastating. It's, it's, it's tremendous, the damage that's done. But you know, now a few years later, trees are growing back. Houses have been rebuilt. Businesses have, have reestablished themselves. We can't replace human life, and that's a, that's a tragic thing that's a result sometimes of those things. But in, in, the law, for, in the grand scheme of things, he says, the wind comes and it goes, and it doesn't change a whole lot. All right, so now, verse 7, he gives us one more thing in nature that changes everything. He says, all the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. And look, I, I'm not sure if Solomon was a, was a great scientist. I don't know if he understood, you know, evaporation and condensation and where rain comes from. But we, we understand that the rivers flow into the ocean and the sun shines over the ocean and it kind of evaporates some of that and it forms a cloud and it goes back over land and it drops down and then it gets back to the river and it flows. It's a cycle, right? The cycle of water going into the ocean. Now, in my opinion... Of these three things that he tells us, this is probably the greatest analogy of any of the ones he uses. Now listen, he's told us we work, but we never accomplish anything. We run, but we never get anywhere. But like the river that never fills the ocean, our lives as non-believers are, are very much like that. We try to fill our lives with all sorts of things, with any number of things. But guess what? A life separated from God is never full. A life separated from God is never full. You can fill it with anything you want to. And, and, and goodness knows, as creation, we have tried. We, fill it, we try to fill it with alcohol. We try to fill it with relationships. We try to make more money so that we can have more things to fill that place in our lives. But I promise you, apart from God, your life is never going to be fulfilled. And at the end of the day, that's all Solomon's trying to tell us. Without God, your life will never be fulfilled. You are the ocean, and you're trying to get those rivers to get in there and fill it up. But it's, just, it's never going to take place unless you fill it with the thing that is missing. You've heard it said before, we all have that God-sized hole in our heart, and the only thing that's going to fill it is God. You can, you can have a, a puzzle, a 2,000-piece puzzle that's complete minus one piece, and if you don't have that one piece, it's not, it's not finished. And you can go to other puzzles and you can try to find a piece that fits in there. But till you find the perfect piece to fit in that hole, you're never going to find it. And in our, in, our, in our lives, that perfect piece that's missing is God.
a relationship with God, a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the important thing. Y'all, here's the thing. What he's talking about here reminds us that our task as, as, as earthly people, as people who live under the sun, is never done. When you complete one task, there's another one. People retire. They think, I've, I've finished my race. But the next day when they, le- when they leave, somebody comes in and takes their job. It's kind of a frustrating picture that Solomon paints for us, right? It's kind of a frustrating picture. And again, I, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. This, And I wrote it in my notes. I typed it out word for word. This would be an important place to remind you that he's talking about life without God and Christ in it. If you're trying to live life without Jesus Christ, your life's empty. If you're trying to live life without Jesus Christ, your life is unfulfilled. And it's going to be. It's going to be because you can't fill it. Solomon continues on. He moves from the things of nature. He starts to talk about our behavior. And in verse 8, he says some some interesting things here. He points out, verse 8 says, all things are wearisome. And that's just kind of a summation of all the stuff he's already talked about. But in verse 8, he says this. He says, man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. So, He's, he's basically telling us that there's three things that we as humans, as, 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 as people, try to do. The first one he talks about is, is, is speaking. He says, man is not able to tell it. Now, here's the thing, y'all. We, we as humans are, ta- are talkers. We, we need to talk things out. We need to ask questions. We need to try to figure things out and get as much information about them. We like to ask questions. We try to understand what's going on in the world around us. And there's lots of ways we do this. We read books. We, we watch television, we, read, we watch the news, we go online and we look for information. We do anything we can. We're trying to get to where we can figure it all out. If you turn on your TV at night, and I'm thinking right now about all the things that are going on uh, over in Israel. If you turn on your TV at night and you turn to CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, any news channel, you're going to find a bunch of people trying to tell you what's going on over there. And at the end of the night, you're probably going to be just as confused and have just as much of a lack of understanding as you did when you turned on the television. You know, when I used to, uh, when I used to, before I was in, in full-time ministry, I had a job where I traveled quite a bit, and I loved to listen to sports talk radio. I've kind of outgrown that phase in my life, but I, I used to love to listen to, to sports talk radio. Uh, and, you know, they would sit there and they'd tell you everything that the players did wrong, everything the players shouldn't have done. They would analyze every decision that the coach made, but you know what they changed? They didn't change a thing because it had already taken place. It had already happened. And for games that, they, that were, might be coming up, they would tell us all the things that needed to happen. But you know what? They had absolutely no control over those things. You're listening. If you're listening to this on your phone or on your computer, you're listening to something today called a podcast. And I appreciate you listening. You can find a podcast that will talk to you about anything and if you don't believe me, when this is over, don't stop, keep listening. But when you get to the end of this thing, go to your search bar in your podcast app and t- search for anything you can think of. Be creative, be imaginative, go, go crazy. And you'll most likely find a podcast where somebody will try to tell you about it. And here, all of this is simply to help us understand what's going on around us. Now, I asked, for those of you that are, that are, that are, that are maybe listening 
the recording for actual Wednesday morning Bible study didn't record. So uh, I'm going back and recording this this morning. But yesterday in the room, I had a group of, of mostly senior adults. And my question to them at this point in the lesson was, have you got this world figured out? And, and no one raised their hand. No one did. And, you know, we can live, we can talk, we can ask questions, we can, we can, we can try to find meaning in all of these things, but we, we're going to fall short of that. Okay, so he says we can't say enough words, we can't talk enough, we're not able to tell enough stories, enough things to help us have meaning in this world. The second thing he says in verse 8, the, uh, the eye is not satisfied with seeing. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. Uh, you know, I have a goal. I was, I was having a conversation earlier this morning, a goal at some point in life to travel. There's things I want to see. There's places I want to go. Uh, there's beauty in this country and certainly beauty in other parts of the world. And there's things I want to see. There's places I want to go. There's things I want to experience. But you know what? As I look back on my life, I've seen some really cool things. I've, I've experienced some really great things. Uh, I, I grew up going to, to Auburn football games, and you can we can debate who you cheer for all day long. Uh, that's not really the point here. Um, but I grew up going to Auburn football games, and I've had some amazing experiences. I, I've been to the West Coast and, and been to San Francisco and been through Muir Woods and, and seen that redwood forest, and you walk through this amazing forest of these massively huge trees, and you walk out the other side, and you're looking at the Pacific Ocean on a cliff, and it's it's probably the most breathtaking view I have ever seen. But you know what? There's still things I want to see. Those things didn't completely satisfy what I what I experienced. And so I want more. I want to see more. I want to experience more. And that's what he's talking about here. Now, we, we, can, we can go down a different path here when he's talking about the things we see. Uh, we certainly live in a world today where we have uh, phones at our, our, our disposal all the time. We have computer. We have Internet. We have things on TV. We've got a bazillion channels to watch. Um, and we have access to some things that we, we don't need to see, um, that we shouldn't look at, that we should not fall into. And, and the problem with those things is every time we see something, we're drawn to more. Those images, those, those things, uh, particularly you, you th we're thinking about sexual sins. And, and, and we live in a world where a majority of non-believers and probably a percentage of even believers fall into this trap of pornography. And the issue with that is every image, every thing that you see takes you to wanting to see more. That's how the world works. And the thing is, these things only satisfy. They're only temporary. They're only for a moment. Because there's always something that you think, I'm, I'm bad about this in my car with music. I've got several playlists on my phone, and you know what? I hardly ever listen to a whole song. You know why? Because the next one's probably better. I just keep scrolling and keep scrolling, trying to find the And look, I put all those songs in there. I like all those songs. I picked them. But I'm always scrolling and moving forward trying to find a better song to listen to than the one I'm currently listening to. We got to we got to make sure that we avoid this trap. He says here the eye is not satisfied with seeing. And the last thing he says here is we we uh, the ear is never filled with hearing. Y'all, it's the same same concept. It's a simply a continuation of Solomon's point. There's always more dirty jokes to hear. There's always more funny stories to hear. There's always more gossip going on in the world around us. There's always things that we want to hear because every juicy little morsel of information that we've gotten in gossip, we just want to hear more. There's always more that, that, that's out there available that we're trying to find. 
we got to avoid these things. Okay, we got to avoid these things. So now right here, I finished up my notes and looking through verses 9 through 11, my, 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 my title here was a depressing conclusion. In verses 9 through 11, Solomon finishes with this cheery bit of information. He says, that which has been is that which will be. That which has been done is that which will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. So Solomon's conclusion that everything is meaningless brings us right back to where we started in this. He started in verse 2, verse 3 with vanity is vanity. Vanity is all vanity, right? There's nothing meaningless or nothing meaningful. He says, what advantage does our work have under the sun? He goes through and he spells all of these things out for us. And then he gets to verse 9 and he says this, that which has been is that which will be. That which has been done is that which will be done. Basically, he says there's nothing new under the sun. Now, we we as humans we like to like to maybe argue with that. We would object to that way of thinking. We we have modern technology around us that helps us have new things and see new things and learn new things, things that people didn't have 10, 20, 100 years ago, right? But now your phone is the ultimate example. Your phone is a way to communicate. Your phone is a way to have information. Your phone is a way to take you down some places maybe you shouldn't go. His point is simply your phone may be a new, a new way of doing it, but it's not new. You've had ways to communicate in the past, and you've had ways to receive information in the past, and you've had things that would take you down rabbit trails you didn't need to go down in the past. All of this is just a simpler, simpler and flashier and more exciting way to do it. And guess what? In 10, 15, 20 years, there'll be another way for all of these things to take place. I don't know how we'll communicate. I don't know how you'll get information in 25 years, but I promise you, you will communicate and you'll get information. So we can think that this is going on and this is new and it's exciting times in which we live. But from a grand scheme of things, we're just doing the same things we've always done. He also tells us, and this may be even more depressing as we go through this. He says in verse 11, there's no remembrance of early things and also the later things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. All right, so Solomon reminds us that there will be no remembrance of things or people. For the most part, I mean, there's obviously exceptions. We, we remember through history and we remember athletes and we remember presidents. But now, this occurred to me the other day while I was, while I was studying. If you sat down and you took a notebook, a notepad, and you wrote out every name from human history that you could remember, I mean, athletes, actors, musicians, um, present presidents, world leaders, philosophers, favorite teachers, your list is going to run out. You're not going to remember. I, I, I was thinking maybe 150, 200 names would be how many you would write down. You would, you would probably could come up with some more, but look, there's 7 billion people alive right now. And that's not even counting all the people who have lived in the past thousands of years. So in the grand scheme of things, most of us are not going to be remembered. And you're thinking now, well, my family is super important to me, and I'll always remember them. And you will. You will. But one day you're going to be gone. And his point here, and look, I'm telling you, this is, this, is, this is one of those things that's hard to say. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to even listen to. But, but the things and the people around us are going to pass away. The things are going to pass away. Look, I, I equated this to, to this thought. 
we have to start thinking about the things of God. He's telling all of the telling us all of this because he wants us to find value in life in something else other than things. He's pointing us to God. So we can't find value in our accomplishments. We can't find value in the things we have. And we can't find value in the relationships we have, at least not eternal value, okay? So that then points us, the only meaningful thing that we can look to, again, is our relationship with Christ, our relationship with God. The only meaningful things and the only lasting things that you will accomplish and have accomplished in your life are the things that are accomplished for Him. You know, I, I had this, this thought the other day about the judgment, and there's a scripture in the New Testament that tells us that, that our, our, our actions, our things, we're, we're gonna be, it's going to be weighed. The judgment is going to be there, and some of our stuff is going to burn up. It tells us like wood and like stubble and like hay. Some of the things that we've accomplished in life are just going to burn up. They are going to have served no purpose. But then there's going to be that stuff that remains, that stuff that stands the test of time, that stuff that shows up before God is important. And let me tell you what those things are. First and foremost, it's your relationship with Christ. To have a relationship with Christ is the most meaningful thing you can have in your entire life. Yes, your family is important. Yes, your job is important. Yes, your your paycheck is important. All of those things are important. None of them are as important as a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his son. There's just not. All right. So the things that are going to last, your relationship with Christ, your relationships that, that are because of Christ. And I say that in terms of the people you have impacted for his kingdom, the people you have impacted for his glory. I, I dare say the people you have witnessed to and you have led to Christ, those relationships are going to be significant. Those people that you have fellowshiped with and rejoiced with in your relationships. So husbands and wives, maybe you are both saved. Hopefully you are both saved and you have spent time building your relationship first with each other, but also your relationship with God. Those things are going to last. We talk about finances. The finances that, that, that go to Walmart and go to other places, those things are going to burn up. The stuff you've purchased is going to disintegrate and go away. The money you have used to further his kingdom, though, that will remain. That will stand by. That will stand the test of God's judgment. So listen, here's the thing. We can read this and we can think, man, this is depressing. And we can, we can stop and analyze what is Solomon exactly saying. And he's telling us, y'all, this. If you don't have God in your life, if you don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, all the stuff you're trying on your own is getting you nowhere. Literally, he says you're running in a circle. Literally, he says you're like a river flowing into the ocean and you'll never be full. Y'all, this, this thing, this relationship with Christ, it's so great. And, and my prayer for you today is that if you're hearing this, if, you're, if this is somehow you stumbled upon this, this, this guy somewhere in Alabama talking about a book of Ecclesiastes and you're still listening at this point and you don't know Christ, check him out. Look for him. Find him. Go get a Bible and read. Go, go find a pastor at a Bible-believing church and talk to him. Come call me. Email me. My information, chapelhillbc.org. You can find me. My name is Casey. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to entertain this, this idea of you coming to know Christ because what you've been doing to this point as a, as a, as a non-believer separated from Christ isn't working. And to you, you believers today, 
I'm challenged by this, and I, I say this having having worn this now for three or four days and studying it. But stop doing stuff that doesn't matter. There's so many things that I'm doing in my life that don't matter. There's things that you're doing in your life that don't matter. And listen, we, we've got to stop. We need to focus on the eternal. We need to focus on the things that last. Focus on the things that are fulfilling. Focus on the things that matter most. And those are the things that point people to Christ, point us to Christ, and deepen our relationship with Him. The book of Ecclesiastes is not depressing. I know there's lots of negative things in there, and it seems that way, and I promise you I'm going to say this. If you listen all the way through all 12 chapters of this, I'm going to say this a lot, but y'all, Solomon wants you to get this. Solomon is teaching you this. He's, he's helping you understand that what you're doing is not working. Non-believer, if you're, if, you're, if you're out there pursuing the things of the world, it's not going to work. Believer, if you've if you've gone a little bit astray and you're following the things of God, not not following the things of God, and you're doing the things of the world, it's going to lead you further astray, and it's going to take you away from God, and it means nothing. We have to be obedient to what God wants us to do. We have to do the things He wants us to do. All He wants from us is obedience, and that means doing the things that bring us into relationship with him and bring others into relationship with him. If you have any questions, don't don't hesitate. You can, you can get in touch with me. Call the church. Uh, the number's at the end of the podcast. You can hear that there. I'd love to answer any questions you've got. Um, but just want to say I appreciate you listening, and we will come back again next week with some more of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. God bless you and have a great day. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to what God had to say to us. If you have any questions about today's Bible study, you can call our church office at 205-339-4071 and we will be glad to answer any questions you might have. God bless you and we hope to see you again next week.